Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grimbeancoffee.com forward slash redboxmedia experience coffee like never before welcome to tools to ready the journey a conversation to help prepare and support young men for fatherhood Welcome to this episode of Tools to Ready the Journey, a Father's Guide to a Faith-Filled Family. I'm Bill Snyder, and joined, as always, by author Ray Haywood. And just want to remind you um, to get a copy of this book, if you have not already. It's entitled Tools to Ready the Journey, a Father's Guide to a Faith-Filled Family. Uh, it's available at trjfathersguide.com. We're on week eight. It's really hard to believe we're on chapter eight, uh, week eight here of our study. And I, uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, to, if you haven't, or this is the very first episode that you're listening to, go back to the beginning and listen from the beginning because um, there is so much you're missing. Uh, the, there is amazing conversation. There's amazing uh, catechesis that you would miss out on if you just listen to this podcast. So I encourage you, if number eight is the first one you're listening to, go on back and listen to number one and follow us all the way through uh, because there is so much to be learned here and there is so much to be shared. Uh, Ray, it's, it, it really is a blessing to share this with you. And so welcome to the program again. And thank you so much for being here to discuss Chapter 8, Borrowing a Rote Faith. Thank you, Brother Bill, for this time and fellowship. Absolutely. Um, so, so Ray, why don't you just kick us off here and, and, and bring us into what Chapter 8 is all about. So, Chapter 8, Borrowing a Rote Faith. So, what is a rote faith? Um, you know, what, what does it look like? Um, I feel as though it's very evident in our faith community our Catholic faith community. So, rote, by definition, is a memorizing process using routine or repetition, often without full attention or comprehension, mechanical or unthinking routine or repetition, the joyless sense of order. Imagine joyless. Funny how this description ends with the awareness that being wrote in our actions leads to a joyless sense, wouldn't you say, Bill? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Merriam-Webster, I think, got it right when they, when they uh, defined that. And, and I think we often go through our faith life, especially early on, as um, you mentioned, Ray, in the book, that um, we, 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 we go through it as something that we just practice and we are unintentional about it. We just, uh, well, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this because everybody else is doing it. Uh, I'm going to follow, I'm going to make the sign of the cross. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to, you know, go through the, the Catholic calisthenics as some people call it, uh, because, you know, everybody else in the, in the church is doing this. 
Everybody else, um, I don't if I don't I don't even have to know why. I just am going to follow. Um, and and that and and that can be dangerous, right? That can be a dangerous um, you know thing to just keep following. Um, you know. Uh, this this uh, thing, not really understanding why you're following that thing, right? Why you're following the actions of somebody else without understanding that can be a real dangerous thing. Think about when we're in mass. Would we know if we were the only person at mass when to stand, when to sit, when to kneel? There's so much reverence behind those things, but even just as simple as when to stand or when to kneel is something that we all wrote in. You know, crazy. So uh, borrowing a road fate is a common place for many cradle Catholics who haven't invested in their spiritual life past the lessons they learned in their formative years. Knowledge of what we will be discussing today in our Chapter 8 review will prove uh, to be a powerful tool and awareness presented for fathers to place in an easily accessible place in their toolbox. This is something that um, we should uh, continually be aware of as we journey. The more we become aware of what is being shared here today, the more we will become a witness to its presence in our Catholic faith community. This is a tool that will be handled often as we navigate with intent. This knowledge should be intentionally shared with other like-minded men that we assemble with and shoulder up to so that they too can easily recognize this increasingly inherent characteristic of our adolescent Catholics. We need to find strength in holding each other accountable to our Catholic faith. Wouldn't you agree with that, Bill? Just, uh, you know, is that something that we do as men? Do we actually hold each other accountable or do we as this narrative of the world teaches us um you know turn away from adversity you know um i i think it's one of the things that is a real big challenge that we need to do for i don't necessarily see it happening quite a bit in our society is accountability. I, as you mentioned, it's one of those things that the world doesn't put a whole lot of emphasis on. Um, they, they put an emphasis on individuality, right? And, and doing things your own way and a new way and a fresh way. And that's all great and everything. But there are certain things we have to be able to be held accountable for. And oftentimes, unless you have a good mentor, unless you have a good mentor in, in your life, you don't always see being held accountable. You know, I think we talked about it in earlier episodes, right, where, you know, you need to have those role models, those spiritual directors, those people in your life that hold you accountable. And other men in the same area of life and even ahead of you on that arch of life, as we talked about a few episodes ago, at as we talk about that, um, you know, having people that can push you to uh, live your faith and be held accountable in certain situations is is really really important. Um, you know, one of the one of the things, and I'll give a shout out to them here um, on on this podcast is um, is out here in Milwaukee, and I know out out there in 
in, in your group, you are building men's groups. And one of the things that Milwaukee Archdiocese does is they have a big conference uh, called the Men of Christ Conference. And that's what it's all about. Men getting together, supporting one another, and then going home into your parishes and having a group of men that do that. So you're exactly right, Ray. Um, I, I, I know you're working really hard with them um, to, to, to establish that in your diocese and, 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 and what your bishop is doing and asked you to do um, is awesome. So um, this is something that we absolutely need is to have people that we turn to, that we trust, um, and that we reach out to in, in our faith when it's really time to, um, to, to practice it. And when we fall down, we need a brother, or we need a friend, we need a father to pick us up. And it's so important to have that. I, I totally agree with you. You mentioned the Archer life and uh, that awareness uh, that you bring to mind. It helps the travel. You know, it's a very important concept that um, that is shared in this book to uh, for a father, especially to 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 reach for just the vision of the archer life. It, it I believe in my heart it encourages travel. So this chapter starts out sharing how many cradle Catholics, having borrowed a road faith from their parents, who have also borrowed a road faith from their parents. Uh, and, and this keeps moving forward and, you know, and so on. And how this behavior has become prevalent within our Catholic faith community. It goes on to share that for the child who learned their faith in a rote fashion, history repeats itself. But that through receiving the sacraments, the foundation of faith is built and instilled inside them. That can't be taken away. For the child of the rote parent, who views the sacraments as requirements, the fullness of faith that the sacraments instill will not be experienced. However, the grace instilled is undoubtedly bestowed on the young soul at the hands of our ordained priests. The indelible mark of irreversible grace is received and in much need of nourishment, the foundation of faith, by our Heavenly Father's design, is instilled. Beautiful, isn't it, Bill? It really is. It's a beautiful thing, and you know uh, that, that that you kind of uh, highlight. And 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 one of the stories I want to share that maybe illuminates it a little bit more is um, is playing right off of that. So I I want to um, tell you that I I uh, I don't remember very much. I mean, I don't think many of us do. Uh, about our first communion day, if we were born, uh, you know, received communion uh, in, you know, second grade at age seven or whatever. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to remember back to to those days. We might remember one or two uh, thoughts about it, and, and maybe you do. But um, for me, I don't remember a whole lot about the day, but I'm very fortunate to have a mother who um, is everything just short of a professional photographer. She has taken photography classes. She is a huge photography fan. Um, and at every gathering, um, it is very, very hard to keep a camera, um, <laughs> camera away from her uh, because she brings it to everything and, you know, she is constantly taking pictures. And so uh, with that being said, um, I have this wonderful picture of me leaving the church 
uh, right after my first communion, uh, going down the aisle with my hands folded and this massive smile on my face. I'm kind of looking at the camera, looking at my mom, uh, taking the picture. And uh, it is one of my most favorite pictures in the entire world. Uh, and it doesn't sit here at my, my, my house in Milwaukee. It actually sits at uh, my, the, the, the bedroom that I use at my parents' home, uh, which is now in Kentucky. Uh, but what I do when I, when I go uh, there, it is almost, um, you know, uh, hard not to look at this photo every time that I go in that room in, in my parents' home. And, and I reflect on that moment of the joy that's on my face. And it's one of those things where I say, hey, am I really living that joy? It, it, it can be a marker in my life every time that I go back to my parents' home. To, to say, am I really living that moment of joy that that, that exudes out of uh, that exudes out of me? Earlier, you mentioned in uh, here, you know, joyless. Are 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 you living life joyless? Um, you know, is it rote? Well, you know, that moment that was captured on camera, there there is nothing but joy, and so it is my job to not live a rote faith. It's my job to uh, live my own faith, owning my faith, and living that accordingly. So when, when, when you look at this um, chapter and when you look at what's being taught here, and then when you look at um, how to go about doing that, honor what was taught to you because it's very important, right? The, I couldn't have received First Communion without going through the formation and the classes in, in second grade. I couldn't have received confirmation without going through the formation and the classes. And, and certainly I've, I've taught those formation classes as a youth minister to, to, to students, right? But here's the, here's the thing. At some point, you can't just keep going by the motions. You can't just keep going around the hamster wheel. You've got to take a look at the past. You've got to take a look at the photos. You've got to thank God for the times that you've had that joy and that you've seen that joy in working in your life. And then and then go re, represent it in your life. It's a moment of challenge. It's a moment of challenge when you reflect back on on your faith because it allows you to then move forward and say, yeah, am I honoring that joy? Am I honoring that peace? Am I honoring the gift that God has given me to spread the faith, to live the faith? Am I honoring that by, by not borrowing the traditions of somebody else and beginning to take the tradition of the church and live it in the way that God gave it to me as a unique human being to live it and create that purpose in the world. So uh, I just share that because it's a moment um, that I am able to, it's just a, it's a tangible way for me to uh, reflect on my own life and say, am I living the faith with joy? Uh, not just on this hamster wheel of, okay, I'm going to mass every day, every Sunday. I'm praying my rosary. I'm moving on. No, it, it, it can't be that. It's got to be something new and fresh and different and alive with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So uh, there, that's just an example, Ray, that I wanted to share. Amen to that. Uh, also, for me to hear 
um, the references that you use in your explanation, how you reach back into the um, chapters that we've already shared in, uh, this book is doing what it's supposed to do for you. It's actually, um, you know, it's resonating. It's, it's sharing the awarenesses and you're using them as you move forward. And we're only at chapter eight. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's a it's a amazing, amazing book, and that's the reason why I mentioned at the beginning or at the end of every episode for people to go back and listen to the first, you know, seven chapters of this because if you're you are missing out on such amazing things, and they build on one another. So, uh, one more plug there: if you're listening to chapter eight before chapter one, go back and listen to chapter one, please, or episode one. I'm almost sorry you put the plug in because I really meant that. Um, I know that you you're um, you're encouraging and you want to reach into others. I get it, but it's it's beautiful for me to um, travel this journey, these discussions with you, and you actually reference back. It's it's wonderful for me to experience. Awesome. So um, one way we can explore the evidence of a road faith can be seen in the way that we celebrate in the sacrifice of the Mass. There are many examples of how very few Catholics take time out to understand the parts and the meaning of the Mass, leading to its misunderstanding. The Mass is an intentional offering of the most holy sacrifice, the Passion of Jesus Christ, culminating with the Eucharist, His body and blood, meant to nourish us as we willfully choose to stay in union, i.e. communion with him. Our sacred apostolic liturgical practice that Jesus Christ himself handed on to us all at the Last Supper, where he commanded us to do this in remembrance of me, is in no way wrote in its bestowing of grace. The sacrifice of the Mass was never meant to be about us. Nothing can change the objective truth, no matter how much our faith a la carte practices suggest otherwise in our court of public opinion. Fullness of faith is only found in a fully owned relationship with God that is continually nurtured. Just as in our physical and professional lives, we expect to grow in our relationships. Owning our spirituality requires the same effort, if not more. Just let's take a moment to mention again the awarenesses we have shared before on how we find center in our lives. It takes intent and awareness in three areas of our lives to become fully whole. Growth in our physical, emotional, and spiritual lives is the only way for us to find our center. If we are not working on our spirituality, we will always be seeking out and searching for something to fill that void. This is where the instant gratification of vice leaves us empty and malnourished when we fall short in our humanity. Our spirituality is inherently in need of nourishment, just as much as our physical and mental health for us to be truly fulfilled. Make no mistake, this is by our Heavenly Father's design. Again, this is by design. In union, through communion, 
is where we are meant to be at his command. What do you think, Bill? Would you agree with this? Ray, you're exactly right. I think one of the things that you mention in there is about the communion that we find is fresh and new and constantly uh, giving us a fresh outpouring of grace. And when you talk about that, that it's not, the Mass is not just some rote uh, thing that we do over and over again. It's actually the representation of what is happening on Calvary. It enlivens us. It gives us new meaning. And I think a lot of us maybe don't fully understand the Mass. So I want to read something from the Catechism of the Church. And I want to read this because um, it provides a lot of clarity to people about the freshness of the Mass. It's not this rote, um, outdated tradition that the Church just keeps doing over and over again for its own health. It's actually nothing to do with that. It's at his command that Jesus asks us to do it, but here's why. Uh, paragraph 1366 of the, Cate Cate the Catechism of the Catholic Church says this, The Eucharist is thus a sacrifice because it represents, which means to make present, the sacrifice of the cross, because it is a memorial and because it applies this fruit. The sacrifice of Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. The victim is one and the same. The same now offers through the ministry of the priests who then offered himself on the cross. Only the manner of the offering is different. Since the divine sacrifice, which is celebrated in the Mass, is the same Christ who offered himself once in a bloody manner on the altar of the cross, is contained and offered in an unbloody manner. This sacrifice is truly proprietary. So, folks, this quote from the Catechism is really powerful because what it's saying is it's saying that every time you go to Mass and you receive the Eucharist, it is Jesus himself sacrificing himself all over again for you. Daily. Weekly. Every time you attend Mass, he pours his heart out and sacrifices himself for you again on Calvary. It represents it. It remakes this moment of Jesus' death and, sal and salvation for you completely present. It's like pulling the veil back and looking at Calvary again. And the Catechism is right when it talks about that Jesus did this once in a bloody manner but left it in the gift of the Eucharist in an unbloody manner so that we can powerfully experience this 
every time we step into Mass. We can experience His love, His passion for us. And that is why we don't want to miss Mass. That is the reason why God commands us through the Catholic Church to go to Mass every week. And it shouldn't be a rote thing. Oh, it's just, I'm just going to be going to church because it's what the church says I need to do. i got to go to Mass. No, you are actually sitting at the foot of the cross. Folks, you can't get this anywhere else. As, as much as there are plenty of other spiritual resources out there for you, right? As we talked about last week in, in our episode, that certainly our Protestant brothers and sisters have uh, an element of the truth in their, in their preaching and all of these things. What they don't have is they don't have the Eucharist. The Eucharist can only come to you from a validly ordained priest. You can't get it anywhere else. And so, what a blessing to be able to encounter Jesus in this manner, approaching the foot of the cross right there. It's not to say we can't encounter Jesus in other ways, because he says it in Scripture too. Wherever two or three are gathered, you are in my I am with you. Uh, two or three gathered in my name, I am with you. Sure, he does. But the moment of our salvation, the moment of his passion and death, that very moment, we step into it. We step into it every time we go to Mass and we look upon his sacrifice in an unbloody way. Because that is what the church tells us. It is his sacrifice in an unbloody way, represented, made present, right there on the altar. Can't get it anywhere else. So if you're bored at Mass, if you're tired of Mass, if you're going to it in a rote way, I, I challenge you to look at Mass from that way. Look at it from the fact that you are transported to the foot of Calvary. That's what I want to leave listeners with, Ray, because I think you really hit on that when you were talking about the communion that we have to have. Uh, yes. And, and, and how we look at communion. So, in communion, full union is where and every part of the Mass leads us to. You know, the Mass took almost 400 years to assemble. And it was always assembled around the apostolic succession of the representation of the passion. That is the way that the mass formed. It took almost 400 years for it to come into. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not saying that ex exactly the way we celebrate it today is the way it was celebrated 400 uh, within the first 400 years. But what I'm sharing is it was always about that culminating moment when we come in union, share full nourishment of our Heavenly Father at the hands of the ordained priest who is in apostolic secession. The hands that were laid on him are the hands that were laid from, from our, our living God, Jesus Christ. So 
How do we intentionally stay in communion, i.e., in union with our Heavenly Father? Our simple answer is found as we intentionally seek out contrition through willful self-examination of conscience in humility. Now, we've spoke about self-examination of conscience. Um, you know, bringing the tool of the heart humility into it is an extremely important part and aspect of self-examination. You know, um, owning our faults, uh, owning the actions we had towards others that hurt them. You know, all of these all of these separating factors that make us feel as though we're not worthy, these are the things that we're trying to let go of. The only moment we can change is the moment we're in. Truth is told to us over time. How are you going to spend your time? How are you going to spend those moments? If you spend few moments, just a few, in self-examination through contrition and humility, then the moments in front of you will automatically get better. They'll, they'll easily transform. You will become transformed. So the sacrament of reconciliation is where we combine both confession and penance to come into the fullness of sharing in the graces bestowed by the hands of, again, our ordained priests. As we are washed clean in the blood, as we willfully choose to sin no more. If you walk into confession, if you walk into penance, reconciliation, if you walk in not with a contrite heart where you feel as though you're not going to sin no more in that moment, you are not going to share in that grace. If you already have resolved that you are going to submit to the worldly views that you know you've uh, situational truth allows you to find um, um, whatever it is that you've stepped away from in church teachings that you feel as though you can choose better, then you're not going to find, you're not going to share in the grace that's bestowed. You have to have a fully contrite heart where you want to sin no more. This is not an easy place to be. This is, this is definitely not something that's a rote faith shares in. We're discussing deep things here. We're eight chapters in. Come on, fellas, get on board here. Look back, see where we've brought you to. What's in front of you is even more challenging. So uh, this practice is again by our Heavenly Father's design to keep us spiritually nourished and fulfilled along the way as we continue to work out our faith journey towards salvation that's a word you never hear huh there is a lot shared here bill what do you think how can you lay this out a little further yeah you know uh, we we often talk a lot about the connection between communion and reconciliation uh there is uh, a uh, vinnie flynn a, a uh, ca another catholic evangelist who talks about them as twin sacraments they are meant to be twins, um, born out of the same uh, womb in some way, uh, shape, or form. Because um, he, he talks about it as twin sacraments because you really can't have one without the other. In order to be in communion with somebody, in order to be uh, in communion with your brother, you also have to reconcile with one another. And this is very evident just in the way Mass is laid out. Okay, um, I mean, now, 
Now, the sacramental grace of, of actual individual confession and penance um, is necessary for mortal sin, and you know, uh, confession of mortal sin before you receive communion. And, and I, I don't want to get tied up in all the rules of, of, of the church. But what I do want to mention is this. The Mass is also laid out in such a way. The Mass is laid out that when you approach Mass, what is the first thing we do? Basically, what the very first thing we do is we ask for God's forgiveness for all of our sins, right? There's a confidier, then there's, uh, every once in a while, we also throw in there um, the Kyrie, right? So we have, you know, Lord have mercy on us. We're sinners. Then there's another element in the, in the Mass right before we receive communion, right before we approach the altar. We also offer a sign of peace. So we've asked God to forgive us for our sins, but what is the sign of peace? Why do we, why do we embrace the sign of peace? It's, it is not a moment for us to, um, to, to say hello to our neighbor. This is not a, a, a hello, how are you doing, nice to see you kind of thing. Save that for the donuts after church. The, the sign of peace is a moment of reconciliation with our brother and with our sister. To say, you know what? In the person that I am shaking hands with, I am also mindful of all the people that I have offended during my week that I have wronged during my week. And I am also mindful of all the people who have wronged me during the week. I am mindful of all of that. And despite my sinfulness and weakness, I still shake your hand and say, peace be with you. Please forgive me, in other words. Peace be with you. You can't have, reconcilia- you can't have peace without reconciliation. Right? So when, when you are approaching that at Mass on Sunday and you're approaching it from the rote, oh yeah, there's, there's my 7th grade teacher, you know, Mrs. whatever her name is, and I'm going to shake her hand because I'm supposed to, or there is my neighbor next door, shake her hand or shake his hand, say hello to them, how are you? No, no, no. It's actually an act of reconciliation. And then what do we do after we do that? We then get to approach the altar and receive communion because we are in full communion with one another. And so reconciliation, and yes, the, the, as I mentioned, the, 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 the sacramental reconciliation is extremely important, especially if you have mortal sin on your soul. Before, do not receive holy communion if you have mortal sin on your soul. Um, but those acts of the Kyrie and the Confidior and the sign of peace that we all do before we get to approach the altar is an important aspect of every Mass. Why? Because we are sinners and we need to have reconciliation and peace in our hearts before we can be in communion with one another and with our God. Amen. So um, just to go a little bit further on what you just brought up, uh, when 
my dad was alive, he would say quite often, it's easier to make a friend than an enemy. And, uh, you know, he would elaborate further by saying, you know, when you have an enemy, you have to put effort in. You have to avoid, you have to, you know, make sure that certain conversations aren't brought up. Uh, you know, all of the um, intention that we put into our enemies to make a friend, all you have to do is say hello. Think yeah. about when we walk into mass. Do right. we sit in certain places because we try to avoid people? You know, just a little bit more on what you are uh, bringing us to. The humility of sharing peace in the mass. Um, a very small part. There's so many greater meanings, but very important in our humility. Um, Absolutely. Take the opportunity of trying to uh, find contrition to... to uh, Maybe look at that person, nod, start a little bit of a friendship if for those. You know, the, in, in the Our Father, it says very plainly to us, you know, uh, forgive us our sins as, the largest word in that prayer, we forgive those who trespass against us. You know, if we don't forgive our trespasses, then we are not forgiven. Again, right. the measure in which we measure. I always fall to that yeah. measure in which we measure. But um, You're exactly okay. right. You're exactly right. It's a conditional statement. It's a conditional statement, right? If if this, then that, right? It's, it's, that's exactly right, Ray. When you, when you think about it, forgive us our trespasses as, as you highlighted, we forgive those who trespass against us. It's a conditional statement. God will forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And Amen. what a better spot in than in the mass right there to offer that sign of peace, to give that forgiveness. And maybe you haven't offended the person sitting next to you. Maybe you don't even know the person sitting next to you. But have them be a stand-in for those people who you have and those who have offended you. Have those people be stand-ins, right? And, and that is what it's all about. So um, to end off our Chapter 8 discussion, I'd like to— just take a moment that when we borrow something, I want to mention that when we borrow something, it is never ours to own, especially within the context of our faith. I would like to challenge our listeners to self-examine in their experiencing the fullness of joy. Are they actually experiencing the fullness of joy at the end of Mass when the priest says the Mass is ended, go in peace? And bring the good good news out into the world. Become truly conscious of your intent behind your reply of thanks be to God. You know, um, it's a very important part at the end of the mass. Now we receive the fullness. The fullness we've received the received the nourishment as we were commanded. We've we've been obedient, and now we need to not fight our way out of the parking lot. We need to actually bring that good news out into the world in the way that we reflect and not mirror. To be able to share these words with authentic joy, understanding of the value of the Mass and being in union, i.e. communion with God, needs to be owned and not borrowed. Now let's all bring this good news of the awareness of borrowing a road faith out into the world as we shoulder up and hold each other accountable as we continue to chip away at stepping further into the arch of life. 
Yeah, it's so beautiful, Ray. You know, all the stuff that we talk about in this conversation um, really moves me so much deeper in my faith. And and the other thing it does uh, for me is it also kind of congeals a lot of what I've read in the book. And um, it being a blessing to be with you, to the author of it, to be able to help me um, k- grow deeper in my faith is it's just incredible. Um, and so, and so, yeah, I, I echo your words to challenge these young men and these old men and anyone listening to this podcast to be able to, um, hold others accountable because that's a beautiful thing. Hold others accountable for their faith. Um, and part of holding somebody accountable is also listening to their story. And and I I know it's evident from just this conversation between you and me, Ray, that that you honor my story and I honor your story. And we spend a lot of time off the air talking with one another and, and texting and, and working on this. And we both honor one another's stories. And and so I encourage you as you're holding other people accountable because it's not a rote faith, because it's not something that is a hamster wheel. I've, I've, I've used that a few times. We're just not going around on a hamster wheel. We're going to go on winding directions and we're going to go all over the map with that person. And so as you're holding others accountable, honor their story. Let them share their faith. Let them share their struggles. Let them share their life because that is so important that if you don't honor that story, then what ends up happening is they can fall right back into not owning their own faith or being wrote about doing their faith, right? Uh, I'm just going to Mass because I go to Mass. No, I'm going to Mass because I connect with somebody, because I'm accountable to a group of men, because I'm accountable to God the Father. And I want to lead other people in faith. That if the, if you approach your faith, if you approach the 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 Catholic faith like that, you're going to go deeper. And so you have to do it together. It has to be done together with other people, and it also has to be done together. Or it has to be done inside of your heart by owning it yourself. Those those two aspects. You know, I, I'm a huge baseball fan, and and, and baseball is. Um, a great way to, to, to kind of look at things because on a team, you know, you're out there playing the field and you rely on one another at the plate. You've, you've got to swing the bat yourself. Right. And, and the Catholic faith is like, it has those two elements. It has the individuality. Like I got to stand up, step up to the plate and hit the ball. I'm the only person that can do it right now. My teammates sitting on the bench or my other teammates on second base and I got to help him score. And then there's other times when you got to turn a double play and work with another person. So, you know, it, it's really important that that you have both of those. And in this chapter, Ray really outlines out how to do it. Have the communion, but also have the depth of your individual relationship with God. And those two aspects of it are going to help you not be rote and not be on the hamster wheel. It's going to help you win more games 
and be more successful in your faith. So, uh, Ray, I, uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about, um, you know, the, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about the tool for this, uh, chapter and, and yeah. what the tool is. Yes. I, I'm going to go into the tool. I just want to make comment on what you were sharing. The, um, you know, even Jesus Christ himself in his physical life was not meant ever to do it alone. And he showed us the way of how to hand on our faith through apostolic succession. We should view it in the same way. Um, you know, um, we're not meant to do this alone. We're meant to do, as I've mentioned so many times, shoulder up, you know, assemble, um, uh, reflect well. Uh, change the narrative, reach into these young men's hearts. You know, um, for the older man just coming into his first experiences of sharing in humility, okay, so now grow in it. Actually ask for forgiveness. Understand the prayer of the our Father that was given to us by our loving, uh, you know, Jesus Christ himself, our living God, gave us that. It's just so beautiful, uh, for us to share in all of these awarenesses if we if we if we don't look at it in a rote fashion so the chapter eight tool is a hand drill if you look at the book now you'll see it's uh, you know uh, it's something that uh, is used in your hands a hand drill uh, hand drills are desirable to craftsmen especially carpenters because they are manually used and allow total control while drilling and fastening. The hand drill was chosen for chapter eight, borrowing a rote faith in consideration for how the tool is used. The craftsman gets to feel the layers of the material he is intentionally removing while applying the necessary force reflected in the pressure and speed he uses to reveal the true form intended to make it his own, whatever he's working on. Let's go back to that, the measure in which he measures. Owning our faith is no different. We need to fasten ourselves as we willfully gain access to the tool of the heart, humility. As we intentionally remove the layers of worldliness to reveal our true inner beauty, which leads us perfectly into chapter nine, handing on our faith-filled gifts, where we will explore deeper the sacraments, and all of the truths that they reveal in our New Covenant teachings. It's going to be beautiful. Stay tuned. Amen. Amen. Stay tuned. It's going to be uh, phenomenal. And uh, I want to uh, just provide our listeners one more time with uh, the way to get in contact with us uh, and also the way to get um, to be a part of the community of this book, uh, trjfathersguide.com is the place where you will find everything you need to be a part of this uh, community. And it really is a community. Ray has done an amazing job um, being a part uh, or, or making sure that readers and listeners are a part of a community. Uh, there's Instagram, uh, there's Facebook, there's Twitter. All of them are different groups that you can connect with. There's chapter groups. So if you're on a particular chapter like Chapter 8, then you can join the Chapter 8 discussion group on Facebook and you can be a part of what 
we are doing and be a part of the conversation, adding your own voice, adding your own stories, adding your own questions that can be answered by other men and by us so that you are able to grow deeper in your faith and do exactly what we're planning on doing next week, which is handing on the faith, handing on those faith-filled gifts. So, Ray, thank you so much for being with me uh, this week. Again, it is uh, always a pleasure to be uh, sharing in this time. It is so sacred and special. So thanks, sir. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Bill, for this time and fellowship, as always, as we grow deeper and we reach further and we travel in the arch of life together. Absolutely. Until next time, I'm Bill Snyder for Ray Haywood. Be intentional. You've been listening to Tools to Ready the Journey, presented by Breadbox Media. For more information about this ministry to young men, visit trjfathersguide.com or search for TRJ Father's Guide on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tools to Ready the Journey is a production of Patchwork Heart Ministry. To learn more about how Patchwork Heart Ministry can support your ministry, visit patchworkheart.org.